Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, what's going on? This is Hal Elrod, host of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And I am here today with someone who's become a, 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 I guess, a business associate, but somebody that I really respect. So I kind of consider him a friend, even though we, we haven't had a lot of uh, like hanging out together, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm giving you too much information. But uh, my, uh, my friend that I'm bringing on today is Danny Eni. He is a lifelong entrepreneur, best-selling author, and CEO of the online business education company, Miracy. And he is a high school dropout, an MBA graduate from Canada's elite Queen School of Business, and is known for his value-driven approach to business. And that's really what I respect about Danny. We, we met at a mastermind here in Austin, Texas. And uh, it was the first time I had got to spend time with Danny and really was impressed with his character, his integrity, his values, and the way that he, he cared deeply about the people that he served. And I asked Danny to come on today to discuss his newest book, Hot Off the Presses, Leveraged Learning, How the Disruption of Education Helps Lifelong Learners and Experts with Something to Teach. Danny, welcome to the show, my friend. Hal, thank you so much for having me. And we're totally friends. <laughs> we're totally, okay, all right. All right. Um, well, we need to spend more time together. You're one of those people that, you know, it's like, it's like a friend that you don't talk to that often, but like you have such a deep affinity and, and, and respect that even if you haven't talked for a few months, you can pick up right where you left off. So that's what we'll do uh, today. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm also going to be in Austin in a couple of months, so we will get together then too. Awesome. And then we had to do like a friend thing, you know, like go-kart racing or golfing or <laughs> so, something like that. So, so let, let's start talking about, you know, the new book, I just cracked it open. You sent me an advanced copy here, which I'm, I'm loving it so far. And I want to just start why hearing your take on why education and the job market are headed for massive disruption. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Like it's, it's a huge topic and it's so timely and so important. Education is one of the biggest industries that's out there. Education is $4.4 trillion globally every year. Trillion with a T. Wow. And when we go to pursue any kind of education, right, we're essentially looking for a shortcut. We're looking for a way to get to where we want to go in life. And, you know, in the context of much of that education, it is about being some, some way of being more valuable to and valued by society, hmm. right? Whether that shows up interpersonally, whether that shows up with work, et cetera. But it should be a shortcut. It should get us there with, um, in, in less time or with less cost or with less risk than it would be for us to just muddle it out on our own. And education is not delivering. That's just what's happening. Education is not delivering. What, you, what do you mean when it's, it's not delivering in, in what ways? So here's an example, right? And, and you know, this is not purely a college problem, but college is a big part of it because college is 1.9 out of $4.4 trillion. So the average college graduate comes out of their experience with just over $30,000 in debt. Now, what have they got for their trouble? They've also spent 
you know, we say four years because college is ostensibly a four-year program, but only 16% of people enrolled in a four-year program actually finish it in four years. It takes seven years to get to a small majority. Hmm. So for all the money they've invested, plus $30,000 of debt, plus four to seven years of their time, what are they getting? Well, a little less than half of recent university graduates, meaning people aged 22 to 29 with a college degree, are unemployed or underemployed, meaning they're working in a job that does not require a college degree. Of the other half who are employed properly, roughly three quarters of them are working in a field that is different from the field they studied, which basically means their degree had nothing to do with their getting the job. Mm. So we're looking at four to seven years. We're looking at tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're looking at all kinds of debt in exchange for which basically 12.5% of people land a job in the field that they studied with the goal that they intended. So that's an example of people are putting stuff in, expecting to get something back out, and it's just not happening. And this is a huge problem for individuals who are spending all this time of their lives and incurring all this cost and, and all that. It's also a big problem for companies that are looking to hire talent, right? Because in in the U.S. today, there's you know just shy of 7 million people who are unemployed and looking for work. But there's also just shy of 7 million jobs that employers are not able to fill. And that gap is, again, education not providing what employers need for it to provide for people, for those people to be valuable. And so when you have a scenario like that where just everything is fundamentally not working, it's just a matter of time before it all kind of implodes. This is fascinating. How do you prepare students for the future when we don't know what the future holds in terms of for jobs, technologies, or, you know, or even the problems that are going to, going to need to be solved? That's a really interesting question, right? We, we hear all these stats all the time of how you know, the most popular jobs today didn't exist five years ago and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, so very clearly, the, the education, the curricula that was designed to prepare people 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years ago does not prepare people for those jobs. When I ask education experts, it's like, well, then what, you know, how do you suggest we change that? Often what they come back with is, oh, well, we really need, you know, more courses that teach about data science or AI or whatever the hot thing is today. But, you know, if things are changing that fast, whatever our best guess is today still isn't it. Not to mention that as hot a topic as data science or AI or whatever it is might be today, that's not what most people are doing. It's not like most of the U.S. economy is data scientists. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's not the breakdown. So the way I think about it is, you know, let's put aside the specific skills because the specific skills you need to thrive will be continually changing. And we're really mo- moving a lot more to a just-in-case, uh, sorry, away from a just-in-case and more towards a just-in-time model of education. So it's not, I'm going to spend four years, start my career, I'm going to learn all the things I need, and then I'll be ready to you know, do whatever I need to do for the rest of my career. No, I'm going to gain the skills I need just in time, and we're going to do that by working with specific experts in their fields and whatever. But the overall education that we need, you, you kind of want to ask yourself, you know, imagine that you're starting a new business or a new project. You're starting some new important thing. It's hugely sensitive, hugely impactful, really important to you. And you don't know anything about it, right? You don't know what exactly you're going to be doing or who you're going to be serving or what the subject matter is. So now you have to assemble your team. Well, since you don't know any of the specifics of what you're going to be doing, you can't 
choose people based on, you know, oh, this person is a project manager and that person knows how to do copywriting and that person knows how to do web development because you don't know if you need any of those things. Mm. So what you, what you select for is you're selecting people who are smart and quick on their feet and resourceful and reliable and they play well with others. Right? You're looking for those things that regardless of what the project is, it's like, this is a person I want on my team. And if people come to the table with all those things, they can make up the gap of whatever specific skill they need you know, as they're ready to move into a role. That's the foundational education that makes people really ready to, to thrive in the world that we're growing into. So how would you define that in terms of, is that developing, you know, for, for somebody listening, whether it's, if it's a parent that their kids are in college, is, if, it's, if it's someone that, you know, it's an entrepreneur or somebody in the job market now, how would you articulate what they need to develop? Is it, is it qualities? Is it habits? Is it a mindset? What, what, what is it that's going to be universally applicable, you know, no matter what the skills are? So there are two buckets of this. One is what I call insight. Insight is kind of what lives at the intersection of creativity and critical thinking, right? So you want people who develop that skill because creativity really is a skill to Mm -hmm. look for what's missing, to come up with ideas, to think critically, to think incisively at what is possible and, and how the dots connect, to look at those patterns. So that's one bucket, insight, which again, it's, it's curiosity and creativity and critical thinking. The other bucket is what I call fortitude. And it's kind of an umbrella for everything that would fall under the banner of what's been explored over the last several decades of positive psychology research. So when you look at things like grit and resourcefulness and mindfulness and optimism and the growth mindset and non-attachment, all those things that a lot of data shows that's really more correlated with long-term success mm-hmm. than than any particular skill or SAT scores or that sort of thing. Would you say that emotional intelligence falls under that bucket? Absolutely. Oh, there was something that I, I read about in the book and I just I, I had just kind of been exposed to it. So I wanted to hear you go deeper into it. And it's what you call the leveraged learning triangle. It's the three components of effective learning. And I think you said only one of which is incorporated into education today, and it was incorporated poorly, uh, you know, if at all. So can you talk about the leverage learning triangle? Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of ties back to what we were just talking about, right? So where a lot of education is focused is on knowledge, right? Let me give you knowledge that you don't already have. And that, that makes sense through most of the history of education, because for most of the history of education, knowledge was scarce, right? The only way you could get knowledge is if I explained it to you. Yeah, sure. Now we live in a time when knowledge is abundant, right? Knowledge is all around us. Knowledge is a Google search or an Alexa query away. And it's much less about the knowledge, like what we have, you know, heard and learned and can remember, Mm -hmm. right? And and that kind of comes in two forms. There's the information and then there's also the skill, right? When you show me how to ride a bicycle, that's a different kind of memory, but it's still fundamentally memory. It's called procedural memory. So I can remember facts and figures, or I can remember processes and procedures that I can do. But that's all remembering what I've been given. Then there's, let's take that a level further and bring something new to the table, a new insight, a new connection, a new perspective. That's insight that we were just talking about that lives at that intersection of creativity and critical thinking. And then the challenge with that is that it's hard, right? Cultivating insight is difficult. I had a great conversation uh, a little while ago with Stephen Cutler, 
um, after a, a presentation he delivered, and he's the guy who wrote The Rise of Superman. Mm-hmm. So talking about like harnessing flow states. So the optimal balance, one of the, the core things that he talks about in achieving flow is that the optimal balance of, of your ability to the difficulty of the task that you're, um, that you're undertaking is 104%, right? That's the best balance for achieving flow. So you're basically supposed to always be a little bit outside your comfort zone. But a little bit outside your comfort zone is hard, right? And so if you do it and if you persevere, you learn and you grow and you evolve your abilities and it's all great. But if you don't, if you quit, then you achieve nothing. And when you're pushing so hard outside of your comfort zone all the time, it's very easy to just quit. And so that's where you know all that third leg of fortitude comes into the picture because without it, you just don't keep on going. Got it. Got it. Why do you say that experts and professionals are will make up the bulk of our education moving forward? So first of all, I just want to qualify that. Um, I think that specifically, if we look at all the education we get as adults, so post-secondary, after we finish high school, there's kind of three categories. There's foundational adult education, and that's something that right now we get from you know, liberal arts degrees or generic business degrees, like basically any kind of college experience that checks the box for a job that says requires a college degree, but doesn't matter what college degree. Like they just want to know that you've gone to college, they don't care what you did there. Mm-hmm. So that's foundational adult education. And that's the, the idea of, you know, we train you for nothing, but we educate you for everything. Except that the data shows that that's not true, and we we don't get educated for everything. We don't get the critical thinking gains, but at least in theory. So that's the first bucket. The second bucket is um, last mile education. That's about bridging from that foundation to uh, to a vocation. So that could be going to medical school or law school. That could be doing a coding boot camp or an internship. That's like learning the specific skills of the job. And then the last bucket is continuing adult education. So that's taking courses and continuing your education over a lifetime. Now, one of the big shifts that we're seeing is a move, like I was saying before, away from just-in-case education, a lot of education at the start of our career, mm-hmm. towards just-in-time. So instead of four years at the start, it's probably going to be more like six years over an entire career, over a lifetime, but most of it will be along the lifetime, not all at the beginning. So specifically in that third bucket of continuing adult education, which is the stuff that tends to be very specialized, because it's about like what I want to do day to day that is on the cutting edge, mm-hmm. that has to come from experts and professionals because the pace of change is just so high, mm. right? Things are changing all the time. There's a, a great quote by Larry Summers. He's the, uh, he was the dean of Harvard. And he said, you know, within five or 10 years, everything you learn in your degree will be obsolete. <laughs> Which encouraging for students, right? Exactly, right? Like that doesn't actually bode all that well coming from Harvard. But yeah, the point is true, right? So everything is turning around really quickly. So if a curriculum is going to be totally out of date five or ten years out, and you need everything to be basically refreshed over every five or ten years, how do you stay current? Well, the only way that teachers can be current in that way is if they're on the cutting edge of their field, boots on the ground doing the work. Otherwise, they get out of touch way too fast. So it's not that, it's not that we, we want to say, well, we need expertise rather than teaching ability, because teaching ability is really important. You don't want to learn from someone who can't teach. But because things are moving so quickly, we are shifting away from needing teachers who know the subject matter to subject matter experts who can teach. Interesting. If, if somebody is listening to this, and if they, I guess 
the college, if, if college education is something that they're evaluating, and especially like I know, you know, for my parents' generation, it was like you go to school, you get a degree, right? I mean, right? Like call it like the, you, you, if if you were going to make something of yourself, college education was required, and obviously that's um, a paradigm that is still largely present. You know, today it's present for a lot of reasons. College is a big business for one. Um, number two is if you want to be a doctor or lawyer, essentially, right, there, there's elements of you, you've got to learn how to, you know, how to how to do surgery or, or whatever your profession entails and requires. But in the current system is college education. Uh, how does someone decide if that's the right choice for them or for their kids? Uh, it's a great question. And the answer is it depends. Uh, I'm not going to say like a blanket, you know, college is not a good idea for anyone. Sure. I don't think that's true. Um, I don't think it's a good idea for a lot of people, though. So let's let's talk about what goes into making the decision properly. So first of all, you've got to have like a perspective that is based on how things are now, not how things used to be. Mm-hmm. So a challenge that a lot of people, you know, if you're if you're 18 years old today and you're thinking about college and you're getting a lot of pressure from your parents, for example, it's because your parents have this image of college the way it was probably about 30 years ago when they thought about it and they went through it. Mm-hmm. And 30 years ago, it, it was very different from how it is today. It's much, much more expensive today. And the returns that you get in terms of employability, in terms of lifetime earnings, are much worse than they used to be. So you need the actual current data. So that said, there are a few good reasons to go to college, right? One good reason is that you know what you want to do with your life and doing it requires a college degree, right? So if you know you want to be a doctor, yeah, go to medical school. Absolutely. If that's a decision that you've made. I think, you know, doing an internship with a doctor or spending some time in a hospital, getting a sense of how that works, like make sure it's what you really want to do before you make that decision. But if it's what you've decided, then yeah, go to medical school. Another big reason is if you can get into a really good school. So of the many thousand schools in the U.S., there are only about 200 that you can call selective, meaning they accept less than half of the people who apply. So all the other schools, it's a very different scenario. The selective schools, you get the reputation, you get the credibility, you get the alumni network. So you're getting a lot of value above and beyond just the classes. So if you can go to a selective school, there's a value to that. Hmm. Um, The third reason is if you can afford it, right? There's a big difference between going to school on money that you have and going to school and going into a lot of debt in order to do it. So if you can either do it on scholarship or you can basically have a scenario where you graduate and you're not saddled with a ton of debt, or if you are, it's a very carefully calculated decision that you're making. And there's a fourth reason, and you know this might sound a little controversial, I hope it doesn't, but it's just the reality. College is right now still a better idea for women and minorities than it is basically for white men. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that you know college degrees have become pretty ubiquitous. There's a ton of them out there. And when something is ubiquitous, it drops in value, right? So if, if you're looking to get a job and you send in your resume and your resume says MBA on it, if out of the 100 resumes, yours is the only one that says MBA, then you stand out. If they all say MBA, then it doesn't do all that much for you. Sure. And so we've kind of reached a place of ubiquity where, you know, basically a degree just says, well, you're no better than anyone else. But you did the bare minimum right. that everybody else. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so that is a lot less valuable than it used to be. But for women, for minorities, 
basically for people who are not necessarily given the benefit of the doubt, it can be valuable to have a signal that says, you know, I may not be any better than my peers, but I'm not any worse than my peers either. And it, it really sucks to say that, but that's the reality. And you see that in terms of career gains and stuff like that at the moment. I'm sure you may have offended a few people, but I, I, I think I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> and it's not from a place to offend. So uh, I, I think that like you, you're, you're a very analytical person. And like you said, you're going off, your, off of the data. So, so for anybody listening, Danny, that listened to all of that and they go, well, gosh, college doesn't sound like it's going to separate me the way that it separated my parents. Or, you know, and therefore it's not going to provide the value for me that it provided for my parents. Or if you're a parent listening, you know, for my kids as it did for me, what is the alternative, right? So it's like, okay, so if I don't feel like college is going to give me the, the return on investment that I would want, what do I, what do, I do? What's, what's plan B? So there's a challenge there and there's an opportunity there. The challenge is that there isn't a good mainstream, easy plan B. I can't say, well, don't go to college, do that program instead. That, that program doesn't really exist right now. The advantage there is that because there isn't an easy, super accessible plan B, nobody else is going after it either. And so whatever you do really sets you apart. So what you need to do is kind of take an ownership and responsibility for your career that is just not happening in the context of of a traditional college career path. So let's think about what you would have otherwise allocated to college, right? Four to seven years tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you basically want to think, well, you know, what did, what was I hoping that would get me, right? I was hoping for an in at some companies and some, you know, knowledge that would get me good experience and, and some opportunities to do different things. So just be intentional about that and think about, well, how can I get those things without having to pay for the entire college experience, which is very inflated, right? You know, only 21 cents on the dollar actually go to instruction. In, in a college context. So, you know, I would say, for example, you know, instead of taking a whole bunch of electives from, you know, profs that some are great and some are not, go to Amazon and spend 300 bucks getting books about a whole bunch of different subjects that are interesting for you, right? And, and start immersing yourself in that. Instead of, you know, getting a degree and hoping that will impress a hiring manager, think about what companies you might be interested to work in and what are the fields that interest you and start taking people who work there out to lunch to get to know what the work is like and how they operate there. Right? If you find a company that you really like with a culture that you really like, you know, offer that you'll work for them for free for six months because you want to get your feet wet and know the industry. And the first reaction people have is like, what do you mean work for free? And I'm like, you know, but the alternative is that you pay for the education. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that, uh, yeah that, it's so interesting, right? You, if you were to tell someone to work for free, like you said, what? Are you crazy? Go, or you can spend that time putting hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, into your debt, into your debt account, right? Either way, and, and and like you said, you're putting that hundreds of thousands of dollars in your debt account uh, and not even separating yourself from the other tens of thousands of students that are doing the exact same thing at the exact same time as you are, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, this is fascinating, Danny. I'm so glad I had you on today. What, uh, so I, now I know there's an entire, there's a whole another side to what you do and the work that you do in terms of education. And that is you empower professionals and experts to take their knowledge and to turn it into courses, right? Online courses. I don't know if we were planning on going down this road, but I'm, you know, I've, I've seen your work in this realm and you're one of, if not the best at this, at, at teaching people how to create content online 
that they can then monetize. In fact, I've, I've, I've started going through your course myself, and this is an area that I'm uh, I'm wanting to, a road that I'm wanting to go down. So, for anybody that is listening that has work experience, right? They've been in a field for a, a certain amount of time, or they've got experience. Like for my, me, my background was in sales, right? And that's why I parlayed that into teaching other people how to sell. What uh, to, can you talk at all about online courses and kind of what that opportunity looks like right now for people? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, who who is it for, and you know, what's it look like? Absolutely. So, you know, earlier we were talking about these three buckets of education. There's the foundational, there's the last mile, and there's the continuing education. And the fact that, you know, more and more we're moving away from just in case at the start of a career to just in time throughout a career. And that's that continuing education bucket. And that bucket is exploding, right? We're, we're moving a vast amount of our interest and demand and consumption of education into that continuing education bucket. And because it's just in time, it's not like one four-year-long program. It's 200 shorter courses over a lifetime. So the total number of courses that individuals want to consume, teaching them how to do specific, valuable, outcome-oriented things is very high. And because of how fast things are changing, the only person that they can learn that from are real experts in the field, boots on the ground, on the cutting edge, actually doing the work. And so the people we work with um, in a professional capacity is experts and professionals, people who have something of value to teach to others, and we teach them how to package that into a course that is impactful, that is transformative, that creates a real outcome for their students, and how to market that, how to sell that, how to get the word out. So the opportunity for that is enormous right now um, because of these transitions in the way education is being consumed globally. Got it. So your now your new book again. It's called Leveraged Learning: How the Disruption of Education Helps Lifelong Learners and Experts with Something to Teach. What I know, obviously, everything we've talked about today is is that book is this is the subject matter. But what what else will people walk away from from your new book? Um, so so it's really interesting. You know, a mutual friend of ours, Ryan Holiday, um, sometimes says that you know the path to a book starts with a dinner party conversation, and then it goes to an article, and then it becomes a book. Hmm. And that's usually true, but I had kind of a different experience in that I would have dinner party conversations. You know, I, I work with experts. I, I teach them how to build courses. I have opinions about education and all the challenges there. And I would have these dinner party conversations, and the response would be very polarizing. I would either get like, you know, that I'm preaching to the choir. They're like, yeah, totally. Education is broken. I don't really understand all the specifics you're talking about, but it doesn't matter. I agree with you. I'm like, okay. (laughs) But then I'd also get a lot of resistance. Like, well, no, college is important. And, you know, okay, maybe it's expensive, but I had a good college experience. But okay, I understand that things have changed. But are people really going to learn only from online courses? It's like, okay, so you're not saying only, like, it would keep going in circles like that. Okay. And the only way I could really flesh out this perspective was to, to really write it out. So the book is basically half about understanding the landscape, like what is really going on. This is really important because for anyone who wants to thrive in the future, but even in the present, you know the, the Wayne Gretzky quote, right? You don't, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where it's going. Yeah. And I feel like most people, they don't understand where this is going because they're so stuck on where it was. So the first half of the book is just understanding where is education right now, where is it going in all of its forms, college, online courses, everything in between. And then the second half is about how to do it really well, right? So when we look at that triangle of knowledge, 
to insight, to fortitude. What do those things mean? How do you do them? How do you build them into a course? What is a process for actually developing learning materials that are effective? And so that's what the whole, uh, that's, that's basically what the whole book is about with, you know, some guidance wrapped in there in terms of if you're a lifelong learner, if you're a student, what should you do? If you're a teacher, what should you do? If you're a business leader, what should you do? Uh, so, so I was just going to ask you, who is the book for? You know, what type of people? What what stage in their life or their or their career? And is that kind of what you just described? Right? It's it's it, it fits a few different buckets. It does, and this is um, you know I struggled with this because I'm a marketer, so I know that writing a book for more than one person is like as a marketer, it's a bad idea. But <laughs> it's kind of a symbiotic circle, right? You've got lifelong learners who want to thrive in the world. And so they need to learn from experts and professionals. And experts and professionals have to take their cues from business because that's where the lifelong learners are going to thrive. And then those lifelong learners get hired to work in businesses. It's a cycle. So, you know, if you're a lifelong learner who's thinking, what should I do with my education? Either I'm at the start of my career or I'm in my career and I want to stay current. Um, if you're an expert or a professional or an educator, if you have something of value to teach, then you'll learn how to do that and, and how to profit from it as well. And if you're a business leader who's responsible for talent, for finding great people, then this is really important also. So it, it's really kind of written for those three people. And hopefully that doesn't backfire on me. Yeah. No, hey, I wrote The Miracle Morning. I wrote the most you know, non-niche book ever. So I'm, I, <laughs> A, it can work and, uh, and, and B, uh, you know, we're, we're two birds of a feather here. Um, uh, from, your, from your mouth to God's ears. Uh, there you go. So uh, Danny, what's the best place? Where can people find you and, and keep learning from you? And, and where can they get the book? Sure. So um, my company is Miracy and you can find me on the website, but I, I would love for people. Spell that for people. Oh yeah, sure. So it's M-I-R-A-S-E-E. Um, I would love for, you know, people can find the book on Amazon, wherever good, good books are sold. And you know, by all means, get dozens of copies for everyone you know. But really, really, the most important thing for me is just that people read it. You know, I don't make money selling books. And so we actually decided to put the whole book online for free. So anyone can go to leveragedlearningbook.com. And the entire book is there for free digitally, and that will be the case in perpetuity. So presumably, if people like what they're reading, they're not going to want to read 65,000 words on a website. So if they like it, they'll want to buy a copy. But if you just want to skim it or check it out um, or find a, a passage and forward it to a friend, it's, it's all on there at uh, leveragedlearningbook.com leveragedlearningbook.com and I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes and uh, in the email uh, that goes out as well. Uh, Danny, man, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And today was really, really informative. I've got, you know, I've got a page of notes here and um, yeah, man, thank you for all that you do and, and doing it with such class and integrity. And I really appreciate you. It was absolutely my pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I will look forward to hanging out in Austin. That's right. Doing some friend stuff. All right. Goal achievers. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Danny Eni today uh, as much as I did. And go check out the book, leveragedlearningbook.com. It is free. Uh, the link should be in the email that you got with this podcast. And uh, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for being a goal achiever. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. And uh, I will catch you next week, everybody. Take care. 
Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 